It had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Hello, romantics. Welcome to a pod to be you, the talk film society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mathur, and each episode I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies from classics to modern hits. My guest today is Fiona Underhill. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this. I'm very delighted to be chatting with you and to talk about this film, which you picked. Uh, Would you like to introduce it for us? Okay, so the film that I've chosen to discuss today is one of my absolute all-time favorites. It's Practical Magic. (laughs) Yes. so this is one of my comfort movies. I've seen it countless times over the years and I just it brings me joy and tears um every what Yeah, um I actually had not seen this movie before. I'd heard about it. I mean, I've, I've known about it. It's just one of those movies that I think I was a little too young um to watch when it came out. Um well, I was about 9, which actually now watching it when I watched it today, it's nine is kind of an appropriate age for it, but <laughs> it looked scary. So I think I was, uh, I didn't quite know what it would be like. So I avoided it. Um, but I'm very glad that you picked it. Now, you say it's a favorite. Now, do you remember the first time that you saw the film? Yeah, because I'm a big old age, which <laughs> um, I did actually see it when it first came out. I was at, in fact, I was at university when it came out. So um, I saw it in theatres and my friends, my university friends and I loved it. And uh, Lime and the Coconut became one of our like university anthems. And we mm-hmm. used to d- dance around in our in our like shared house to the, to that song a lot. And what is it about the film that really speaks to you? And and like how how did it become you know a major childhood or I guess major adulthood favorite? um it's i just think it's so unusual it's got a really unique tone so it's this mixture of um a romance obviously but it also it's got this sort of supernatural element because obviously it's about a family of witches um it's the setting is just absolutely stunning it's this new england setting the house the costumes um, and also it's got two Oscar winners <laughs> in it as well. So this is, I just think nothing like this, even remotely like this exists today. It's just one of those, like, it's just captured this moment in both their careers and also just a moment in time in terms of Hollywood movies where you just couldn't get something like this made today. So it's got Nicole Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock, two two Oscar winning actresses who are both, you know, completely committed to their roles. 
no one's kind of you know turning up their nose at what they're doing in the way that say Robert Patterson did at Twilight you know he absolutely Mm -hmm. hated making those movies and you can kind of dulled in in his performance but they you know these two actresses don't think they're above this role at all you know they're, they're in it they're committed and um i just love everything about it i do love you know the the romance which obviously we're going to discuss with aiden quinn um and i it's just i oh, the music the music is one of my absolute favorite things about it the soundtrack is just incredible um and it's just very rewatchable and like i say it's a comfort movie for me it's like a happy place i can go to yeah. that's familiar and comforting cheer me up yeah um definitely i can definitely see that i mean i remember this movie being on tv a lot you know especially in october um for halloween and i felt i always felt like you know i I never watched it when it was on tv but i was like just you know i i felt like this movie has been so ingrained in popular culture just for like how you said how unique it is that i kind of like could sense the like vibe of the movie before I even had seen it. And, you know, I like what you said about, you know, having these two actresses like at this moment in time in their careers, you know, cause I was thinking about it, you know, Sandra Bullock had, you know, just come off of, you know, really hit movies like speed and while you were sleeping. And I think Nicole Kidman as well was kind of on the rise. You know, this is like, ripe. I think, she had just finished making Eyes Wide Shut with Stanley Kubrick, I believe. So she was sort of in a transitional phase of her career, kind of post to die for, and her you know her movies with Tom Cruise. Um, and you know, it's I was trying to think of like who would even be in a sort of modernized version of this, and I mean, I'm sure we could come up with pairs of actresses, but none that would have that their chemistry. And I think that's what really made this movie so delightful to watch is the two of them and how they're so different, but they feel like sisters, you know, Cassandra Bullock being kind of the mousy one who's very powerful, but, you know, is, I guess, more afraid of her magic. Um, And Nicole Kidman being kind of like the more wild, you know, adventurous Mm -hmm. one. Uh, who's like very charming and persuasive and I, I their scenes together I thought were so great and it was so wonderful to see two actresses I, well technically four you know with Diane Weist and Stalker Channing you know yes I, I feel like you don't really see very many movies with you know huge female stars together in you know I in in like roles like this you know it, it feels very rare to have a definitely kind of like hard like I don't know if I would call this a horror comedy because it wasn't very scary, although it might have been back in the 90s. But <laughs> um, but you, you just, yeah, because like this is, I would, you know, as much as the romance is you know, a central focus of the film, I think to me, like the relationship between the, you know, the two sisters and the two aunts were the, was the main driving force and the kind of the main thing yeah. that I latched on to. The, the central love story is between uh, the two sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, 
Yeah, so I I agree that that is the sort of central theme of the of the movie, but also love is a really sort of powerful force in the film and a real big yeah. driving force for everything that happens. So um, the Owens family are, are cursed, and the men who fall in love with anyone in the Owens family are sort of doomed to die, basically, and. Um, Sandra Bullock's character tries to protect herself from love because she doesn't want to have to go through grief. But of course she, you know, she does succumb to love. Um, and uh, Nicole Kidman's character goes the opposite direction where she goes out and finds lots of, <laughs> lots of different men. Um, mm-hmm. And then that, that curse kind of comes back to bite them. So I wanted to like bring up the, um, the use of like like the witchcraft um, and how like in uh, a lot of movies about witches, like romance is kind of like a tricky thing because you know in some movies like Bell Book and Candle, the witch falls in love and loses her powers or um, things like that. Usually, have, there's always some kind of angle in these like witch movies about romance. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that and how it relates to practical magic. Yeah, so the history of witchcraft, obviously, over hundreds of years has always been about punishing women, um, ostracizing women who displayed any signs of individuality or power or sort of controlling things for themselves in any way, especially if it went against, obviously, things like the religious order of the day or the society of of what was often a very strict and tight communities. Um, And I think what a lot of these, uh, you know, sort of myths and stories are about is kind of punishing women with a curse. And it's like saying, well, you can have power and you can be the crazy old lady on the outskirts of town alone or you can be embrace sort of normality and have a happy family. You can't have both, is what it's saying. Yeah. So if you do, if you do want to be like a powerful witch, and you can't also have, you know, a husband and children and a, and a normal life, and that's very much what uh, Sandra Bullock's character Sally Owens. That's what she craves is normality. She wants the husband and the two children and the normal life in their small town. But um, Nicole Kidman's character, Gillian, goes kind of completely in the opposite direction and she goes off travelling the world and um, having lots and lots of different lovers. But I think, obviously, the key with Gillian is that it's not love, it's just, you know, lust. She's going from one person to the next. So she's not really affected by the curse, whereas with Sally, it is true love. So she ends up uh, being kind of the victim of the curse. Yeah, yeah, and I was, you know, just thinking about, you know, like, these, usually these movies that are about, like, witchcraft, especially, like, the ones that, like, are, like, these sort of, like, small New England, like, you know, like, the crucible kind of witchcraft, like, there's always, like, it's, like, always very, like, feminine, and, um, you know, the powers are, like, passed through, like, the, the women relatives, and... You know, and, like, I was thinking about, like, with this movie, you know, the Maria, the ancestor, you know, she's waiting on the island to be rescued by her lover from her banishment, and he doesn't come, and and I was thinking about, like, you know, on this, like, like, 
um, these witches kind of having these romantic issues and that sort of that like what you were saying about how they can't be witches and be happy in like a romantic sense could just be like that like introduction of of like male maleness into this like very feminine female like sister bond. So I don't know. This is interesting to think about because you hardly ever see movies about male witches. You know, I mean, obviously, like I guess, like wizards would be the like male counterpart. But even in those movies, it's you really hardly ever see stories like this. You know, where like falling in love or not falling in love is like the main thing. There's always, I think, for like male magic movies, there's always a quest for like power or domination and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, how this movie plays with those... This movie plays with those themes in, I think, a very unique way. Like, I was thinking about, like, well, in kind of... In a more, like... In a non-magical movie, like, Sandra Bullock's, you know, um, like, true love spell would just be, like, a way for, like, a woman having, like, certain... Or a person having, like, certain standards of their partner... (laughs) Like, hers are more magical and fantastical, but, like, it could be, like, well, this kind of job or this kind of house, whatever, and that's a way to, like, keep away, you know, like, the bad magic partners. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was... Yeah, I mean, I, I really like this movie, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on, like, the male interest, you know, um, Aiden Quinn as the, like, the, the detective, and... Um, okay, I can't... Gorn... Uh, yeah, Viznish as uh, Angelo. Like, um, yeah. well, let, let's uh, start with the detective. Like, what you like? How'd you feel about him as a like romantic, the like romantic lead in the film? I really, really love Aidan Quinn. Um, you don't see him as much nowadays. I think he might be working in television, mm-hmm. but um, but at the time, he um, in sort of the eighties and nineties, he was quite a well-known actor um and i think about things like desperately seeking susan uses him really well mm-hmm. um he i i really think he's good in this movie and what's interesting is that he doesn't appear in the movie until halfway through so um he is this mysterious figure who just kind of turns up and then i love that you gradually realize that he fulfills all of the things that sally wished for so we gradually learn that he's got one green eye and one blue, that he's protected by a star, which is his sheriff's, sheriff's badge, that he um, it can flip a pancake in the air or some some silly yeah, thing yeah, that, yeah. That, that she uh, that she says. Um, and he is drawn to Sally because he finds a letter that she writes to um, her sister. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think he's just very very soulful. He's one of those actors who acts really well with his eyes. Yeah. Um and he has really good chemistry with Sandra Bullock. Um and for Goran, sorry, I'm really probably butchering his name <laughs> as well, but for, for Goran, he uh was in ER. So when he turned up in Practical Magic, um again, not that 
not that well-known an actor perhaps now, but he was this big heartthrob in ER at the time. Oh, wow. So it was it was good to see him getting a, a movie role. Obviously, he's the villain in in this, but he's he's absolutely perfect as what um, Nicole Kidman describes him in the movie as a Dracula cowboy, yeah. and that absolutely <laughs> that absolutely uh, sums him up. He's just this. Real swarthy, dark character um, who we gradually learn is very dark indeed, and obviously has a, a sort of hidden criminal past. But um, I, I think it's so clever the way the movie does the whole. Uh, they try to get rid of his character, and yeah. then he 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 becomes like this. He starts to haunt them, basically, and then it goes as far as possessing uh, Nicole Kidman, and I think that's all really, really well done and so well acted by Nicole, where she's um, acting as Jim, Jimmy Angelov, so like he's kind of within <laughs> within her, shall we say? But I just think that she acts that really well. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, like Nicole Kidman in this performance, like I. Um... I was just so, like, she doesn't really do movies like this. Um, and, like, these sort of, um, like, ma- like, mainstream kind of Hollywood, you know, like, comfort movies. Like, the ones that she does usually aren't as good as this. You know, like, Bewitched. Oh, well, she plays another witch. Wow. Um, just <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> yeah, like, Bewitched or, like, Stepford Wives. You know, like, whenever she yeah. tries to do a movie like this, like, it doesn't really work out for her because I think she has such a, like, ethereal kind of otherworldly, you know, look to her. She's so statuesque and, um, and, uh, you know, she can be a very distant actress, much to her credit, because I think that works for her. But I think in this movie, like, she has that, that, like, out of this world of glamour to her because she plays that, like, kind of wild, adventurous character. And then, but then she gets to do a lot of really fun stuff, like when, you know, she's possessed. And, <laughs> you know, like we were saying earlier, her chemistry with Sandra Bullock is so fun yeah. to watch. And, like, I, it was a very surprising performance, I think, from both of them, because, like, this movie uh, just doesn't really require actors of their stature on the page, you know, but. You know, I think they bring so much to it, and they have that chemistry and like just like the the sort of hijinks of them trying to like get rid of him and bring him back to life, and then kill him again, and then you know, as Sandra Bullock is trying to like fight him while he's possessing you know Jilly, it's just like a lot a lot of good stuff. <laughs> it's definitely one of my favorite Sandra Bullock performances. Yeah, I think she's so good and so not valued. Like you know, it's t- it's typical isn't it that an actress has to do kind of the prestige in in quotation marks she has to do what's considered a prestige role in order to be taken seriously by things like the academy but if you look at her performance in her rom-coms or in films that are considered chick flicks that are dismissed as being these light uh throwaway films Mm -hmm. but her performances like Miss Congeniality is a perfect example of this as well she absolutely 100% commits to these roles and puts you know everything into these roles and I think she isn't such a gifted comedian but then she always always has that emotion as well and like I was saying um, right at the start, 
I've honestly, I've probably seen Practical Magic 20 times and I've cried every single time at the scene where um, she goes through her grief mm-hmm. after lo- losing her husband. And it just, I think her acting is so unbelievably good. And it, it just, honestly, I can hardly talk about that, that whole section of the film <laughs> without welling up because I think she sells the fact that she is a person going through grief so so incredibly well you know that stage of like denial and desperation when she goes to the aunt and says no I refuse you know I bring him back and then obviously she um sort of slides into depression and mm-hmm. she get and she goes to bed and doesn't get up again and then she's got you know her daughter's kind of pleading with her and then um, it takes um, Gillian, her sister, Nicole Kidman, it takes her coming back to kind of snap her out of it. And again, we see that relationship between the two sisters and how close they are. It takes Gillian to, to make her, like, start living her life again. And, oh, I just find that <laughs> whole thing so yeah. powerful. Yeah. And, yes, I am, to- I am talking about bloody practical magic, but you can... You know, you can be swept up in it and find it really, really emotional as well. I mean, obviously, it's got a lot of ridiculous elements and it's got a lot of funny elements. But I think the emotion is being sold to us by those two actresses so, so well. I mean, like, this movie really lets her go through grief. And that was something that was very surprising. It doesn't brush it off. It doesn't do a time jump. You really feel that during that section of the film. And... I think, yeah, I mean, this movie, like, as much as it can be that sort of, like, comfort, sleepover, you know, Halloween night movie, like, it definitely mm-hmm. has, like, so much going for it on, on, under the surface. And, um, you know, when you have these, like, four actresses who are, you know, amazingly talented, iconic veterans who have done every kind of movie, then it's like, <laughs> of course you're going to get something that means something more just because, like, they, t- you know, all four of these actors have done you know movies that can be ridiculous and silly and dumb but they always bring like a commitment to it and Sandra Bullock I mean you know I've talked about her on this podcast before we talked about while you were sleeping but like she we could do like a whole I mean I could do like a whole Mm -hmm. you know miniseries on her because she's all of her romantic comedies or almost all of them have become these like staples of you know the 2000s and Like, I think, yeah, I mean, I agree that, you know, she wins an Oscar for The Blind Side, which is, like, a very much kind of a paint-by-numbers Oscar movie, but, (laughs) like, I think, um, you know, her her movies like The Proposal, Miss Congeniality, Hope Floats, which is a movie I absolutely love, um, with uh, Harry Connick Jr., like, um, they're just so, like... She just has that, like, quality, right, of, like, Mm. she's so beautiful and so charming and so wonderful, but um, she is just feels like a real person, (laughs) you know, like, she feels like someone you would meet. She has... She has this natural charm mm-hmm. and natural chemistry with the other actors, mm-hmm. and she ju- does make it look easy. And that's the frustrating thing about uh, comedies or you know the, the sort of genre that we're discussing, where they're not you know these kind of films aren't taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's because people think it's easy. It's easy to make a film like this, and it's easy to perform in a film like this. And it's absolutely not true that being that natural and charming and charismatic on screen 
vaccine, mm-hmm. that is not something that is easy to do. I mean, I'd like to see most of the population try <laughs> right. and, and, and do something like that. And I think it's just really undervalued and it frustrates me a lot because, I, you know, she is a really, really good actor. And that, is, and that goes, you know, across all the genres that she's performed in. So aside from uh, Practical Magic, what would you say is your favorite Sandra Bullock movie? Oh, this is <laughs> tricky. Um, it's probably between Miss Congeniality and While You Were Sleeping. Yeah, I think both both of those are so so good. But also, I mean, let's not forget Speed, for example. Of course. Um, so, I mean, I, and that's a really good example of what makes her so special is like in speed. She's so young, but you can absolutely immediately you fall in love with that character so quickly because, you know, she instantly has this charm. She, you know, she has this relationship with the other characters on the bus and she's immediately like got that sort of girl next door quality, which, yeah. again, I think people perceive that as being, you know, oh, she's just like that in real life, so it's easy on, to be like that on screen when it's absolutely not true. Um, and, you know, I just think, yeah, she's great. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. I mean, Speed is, like, it's so easy to write off that role as, like, just the girl or just, you know, like, the, mm. the female lead. But, yeah, she's she's doing a lot in those movies. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, it's so, I mean, I hate... When people say, oh, you know, she's just playing herself. I mean, for any actress yeah. that kind of does these kind of comedic roles or relatable roles. Because something, A, I mean, we don't know what Sandra Bullock is like in her real life. She could be a very, I mean, I don't, I'm sure she's not because of how <laughs> her interviews are. But, like, she could be, like, a very somber person and just, could just, like, turn it on for the camera. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think for, I think for me, yeah, like... The ones you mentioned, I think, are, are great. I mean, as I mentioned, Hope Floats. I love that movie. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, The Proposal. I think those are probably my favorites. Um, and The Heat with Melissa McCarthy. I mean, that's another movie where it's like, she's really working hard in, in that movie um, because it's definitely a different kind of comedy than she's used to doing. So, um, yeah. Um, oh, and uh, I, one that not so many people have seen is Forces of Nature. Oh, yes. With, um, ben, Affleck. ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like that movie. I think it's very unusual. Again, it's got, it's a little bit like Practical Magic in terms of it's got a lot going on and also it's, um, there's certain things about the way it's filmed, some of the cinematography, um, some of like the weather effects, the fact that the sort of editing, it and also like the production design and the costume mm-hmm. design, yeah, is all really unusual in that in that movie. Um, and yeah, it's one that isn't as well known or as um, hasn't been seen as much as her more popular ones. But, um, yeah, I really like Forces of Nature. Yeah, I mean, that, I agree. That's a very strange movie. Uh, and one that kind <laughs> of is like an anti-romantic comedy, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, because it's... Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got a really unpredictable plot as well, yeah. where you expect it to go one way, and then it, it actually doesn't at the end. You read my letter? Yes, ma'am, I did. It was a very personal letter. Yes, ma'am, it was. Um, I, what? I'm sorry. You seem very hello no, there. Morning, Miss. Morning, Miss Owens. Good morning. 
Mr. Mr. Hallett. Hallett. Listen, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. I need to find your boyfriend, James Angelov. I, I don't know where he is. I wouldn't exactly call him my boyfriend. He's more, uh, he's more like a big mistake. Is that his handiwork there? Mm-hmm. If a man hits me, he only does it once. Can I, um, take a peek at your... Wow. Now, um, I can tell that you've never touched a woman in anger all your life. May I have my hand back, please? Uh, sure. So what you're trying to tell me is that you have no idea where he is? I told you. He hit me, and and I haven't seen him since. When was that? Three days ago, right, Sal? Yeah, three, three days. Three days. Excuse me. Uh, Sally. <laughs> Whose car is that in the driveway? The one with the Arizona plates? Oh, that's my car. Oh, that's your car. Mm. Huh? Plate number 229 MOB? Uh-huh. That's James L. Angelo's car. Come on now. We... We stole it, and it's a crime. I know this, but, but, but he basically kidnapped her, and it... Whoa. He kidnapped you? Well, no, no, no. He, 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 he didn't. He didn't really kidnap her. He just, he sort of like a, just a, a little nap. No, she, she was. There was a car, and she, she would. And you know, thing. She. What, what happened was that she. She just. <laughs> you should know. She has the worst days to men. All she, right. <laughs> well, you do. So so anyway, I, I picked her up and I drove her right back here, and and we would be so happy to give him back his car because it is a crime and. As you say, you 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 just don't know where he is to. Just got to, Oh, give him back that car. So basically, nobody knows where he is. So um, you wrote an amazing piece on this movie <laughs> f- uh, a, a couple of years ago when the film turned twenty in two thousand eighteen, and one thing you mentioned was um, the costumes, and I'd love for you to expand on that <laughs> and talk about it a little bit more. Um, I think although the costumes can be dated to the the time at which this uh, movie came out, um, I, you know, I would happily wear pretty much anything that Sandra Bullock wears in that movie. I would wear pretty much any any of those things today. The only thing that um, are quite ugly are her shoes. (laughs) But other other than that, um, I think the costuming is, is so good her um there's a lot sort of you know comfy there's like the sort of comforting wintery kind of clothes so if uh, like in while you were sleeping Sandra Bullock does sort of comfy sweaters and things really well but also in Practical Magic you also get to see like a more summery costumes as well mm-hmm. and um especially in the final scene where um Aidan Quinn kind of strides across this stunning um setting so the house is um, like on a cliff top um and the garden looks directly out over the sea and he kind of strides across the lawn and she's waiting for him and she's wearing this dress <laughs> that has kind of um lace detail I think it is on the straps and her hair she looks like this pre-Raphaelite she's got this curly hair and she looks like she's out of a painting I just think she looks so stunning and then Aidan Quinn kind of strides towards her and they have their reunion kiss 
But um, yeah, the hair, I mean, the hair alone in this movie I could talk about for ages. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Nicole Kidman gets to be a bloody redhead for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy that they let her, she has this amazing dark red. And unfortunately, she doesn't have her natural curly hair. Um, but she does get to have this dark, um, sort of auburn, really long hair, and it contrasts so, so well. So Sandra Bullock has her long black hair, Nicole Kidman has long red hair, and they sort of contrast and complement each other beautifully. And Sandra Bullock's hair throughout this movie, sometimes it's straight, sometimes it's curly, sometimes it's in, like, plaits, pigtails. Um, yeah. but I, but I just think it looks so good. Um, oh, there, she, she has a botanical shop. So she has, um, a shop that sells like organic, uh, shampoos and shower gels and things. And when she's working in the shop, she always wears colors that really complicate, complement the shop beautifully. So she wears these greens whenever she's working there, often with like a sort of flowery, flowery pattern on her dress or skirt um yeah i think the costuming is so so good in this movie and the setting and the house is just absolutely absolutely to die for as well yeah i mean the costuming i felt like you know it's this movie is like one of those you know movies where like everything in the visuals just speaks to the character speaks to like the theme and, and the tone of the film and um and i really appreciate that this movie like doesn't go for like okay they have to look fashionable i mean like for one thing like it wouldn't fit their characters but like the way they start the way these two actresses are styled these like very glamorous you know movie stars are styled this fits very well with their characters and um, I forgot to mention my favourite outfit, oh, sure. by the way, which is, which is the one where she is wearing cut-off jean shorts and uh, galoshes, like green knee-high galoshes. Mm, yeah, um, And she, she's been gardening, and then she kind of hears the call of her um, her husband, like her first husband who unfortunately passes away during the movie but she hears this kind of calling that he's he's almost calling to her and she starts running down the street and she's wearing this sort of gardening outfit and that's probably my favorite outfit in the whole movie because I just think she looks so good in it and I love her running down that street to him and then she sort of jumps into his arms and oh it's so romantic I love it yeah um Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like that. Those outfits, I think, were just so like they felt very nineties, but like in like, a good way. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I, 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 I think they hold up very well. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of sort of there's a lot of spaghetti straps, you yeah. know, like slip slip dresses, which obviously is a very nineties thing. But I don't think then they're kind of over over the top. I certainly think they hold up way better than a lot of outfits from, like, the early 2000s yeah. or pretty, mu- pretty much the whole of the two- 2000s, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you know I, I think they hold up well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I wanted to bring up the, um, the production design because this house, I mean, it looks... Oh. <laughs> st- it looked amazing and so, like, perfectly cluttered and, like, interesting mm-hmm. and a lot of, like, knickknacks and just, like... Oh. Uh, in your article, you mentioned so, the kitchen. I was, like, I think we yeah. should spend, like, five minutes on that kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
oh, this honestly is my. It gets a, a question posed on Twitter sometimes. Is you know what would be your dream movie house? Mm-hmm. And and this is it for me. This house is just the kitchen has. Um, we call it um, a Bristol sink in the UK. I don't know if you call it that here, but um, it's got like a sort of old fashioned uh, ceramic sink. It's got a central table, which is the the iconic scene of midnight midnight margaritas. They dance around the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my absolute favourite features of the house is that it has a sort of greenhouse uh, attached to uh, the kitchen. So it's got um, a place where they grow all of the plants and herbs, which obviously they aren't using their spells. But oh, just that, honestly, the kitchen and that greenhouse are just both absolutely stunning. I love them. And there's um, a dresser with lots of, um, you know, crockery and pottery on it. And like you say, the detailing in that production design. So it's always there's flowers, there's fruits, there's always a lot going on in the background around them. Um, And then also uh there's like an attic room that um sadie stays in especially when she's going through her period of grief Mm -hmm. where she sort of can't get can't get out of bed um there's this sort of attic room that she stays in which i really like as well but um yeah everything about that house is just stunning yeah um i believe i read that they built the exteriors from like from the ground up and they um, and I believe it was in California, if or, right. or or somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. I believe it was California, and that like uh, it was uh, yeah built for the movie. Which is oh, I love when mm-hmm. houses are built for you know yeah. for a film because it just feels more lived in that way when it's not just someone's house they came across. Um, and yeah, I mean the house is like beautiful. I mean that kitchen, yeah, and like the margarita scene that you mentioned is like, I mean that's like one of the one of the best scenes in the movie because it just had like, <laughs> like you just want to see these characters, these actors like working together and um, <laughs> they it has such a um, natural feel to it. You felt like you're like in the room with them and yeah. Um, and they, they get progressively drunker and progressively meaner. Well. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so they're sitting around doing like tequila shots. Yeah. They just, <laughs> all the filters go and they start just being really bitchy to each other. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, because like, I mean, we kind of touched upon like Stalker Channing and Diane Weiss, but like they're so fun in this movie. And yeah, uh, I was wondering. I mean, Diane Weist uh, did Rabbit Hole with uh, Nicole Kidman, like maybe like a decade or so after this movie. And I was, and like I know Nicole Kidman like produced Rabbit Hole, and I, she had a very um, strong hand behind the scenes. So I, I'm sure she reflected <laughs> fondly on Diane Weist in Practical Magic and asked her to mm-hmm. to do Rabbit Hole as well. And I mean, I that's a I mean that's a very different movie. It's a very sad and serious movie, yeah. but. Um, another Nicole Kidman favorite for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, this movie just has, like, such a great look, and the score and the soundtrack just oh. fits so well. 
Um, the score is by Alan Silvestri, I believe. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Really interesting. Yeah. Um, they they actually got Michael Nyman, who's my favorite film composer. They actually got him to do an entire Practical Magic score, but then they decided it wasn't the uh, kind of tone they were going for. So if you, I think if you put it into like YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, you can actually hear quite a lot of the tracks that Michael Nyman scored for Practical Magic. Um, and it's a really good score, but I think uh, the Alan Silvestri one does perfectly complement the movie. But um, the soundtrack as well as the score. So you've got a lot of Stevie Nicks. Um, uh, there's so I listen to this soundtrack all the time. Oh really? <laughs> like, yeah. So I think it's one of the you know one of my favourite all time soundtracks. So um, the way that Black Eyed Dog by Nick Drake is used when she first hears the uh, De- Death Watch Beetle, I think it is, mm-hmm. in her house, um, and she first starts to realise what's going to happen to her husband, and then. There's a black dog um, who's like running along the sidewalk in the middle of the town, and again, obviously, that's a sign that something bad is going to happen. Yeah, we have um, we have a case of you by Joni Mitchell, Uh, the kiss by um, Faith Hill, is it? Yeah, Faith Hill. uh, Always on my mind, obviously, is used in a really sort of creepy way by Jimmy Angelov, right. and then obviously there's there's uh, oh everywhere by Bram Van Three Thousand, um, and obviously Lime and the Coconut, you know, for that great scene as well. But there's like I think three Stevie Nicks tracks on on the soundtrack. Um, yeah, I mean, and I'm not too familiar with Stevie Nicks, but from what I have heard about her, she's very she, witchy and magical. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean I've seen her like when she does like few television appearances. I've seen her like I think on American Horror Story, Coven, obviously, <laughs> and so like. I feel like when you look at her, you can just hear, like, witch incantations. <laughs> so, <laughs> she has that, that vibe to her. So, I've, yeah. Uh, yeah, nice to nice hear on the soundtrack, because uh, I guess she's practical magic as, like, a walking person. <laughs> <laughs> she absolutely perfectly fits this movie. Yeah. And I just think her the way she sings really suits this might not make very much sense but the way she sings really suits that cliff top setting so mm-hmm. with the rock the rocks and the sea are just just below where this gorgeous house is and i just think it all goes goes together like you know all fits together so well yeah what would you say are like your favorite um like scenes or like moments from or lines from the film um, one of my absolute favourite moments, and it's it's probably half a second moment, is when um, they have the body of Jimmy Angelov on the kitchen table, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. and they're they're uh, going to sort of perform an incantation over him to try and bring him back to life, and um, <laughs> they <laughs> Sandra Bullock like squirts cream. <laughs> whipped cream on his body to make a star and um Sandra Bullock licks some of the cream <laughs> off him 
and it always makes me laugh. Yeah. I, I just think like she she isn't really thinking about what she's doing, but I also feel like you know he is really hot, so <laughs> she just like has this momentary lapse of yeah, I'll just lick, lick a little bit of cream off him. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of my favourite bits. I also really love when um, Nicole Kidman first comes back to town and she goes to this the classroom. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. In it, at the school and Sally is waiting to hear if she's going to be on this phone tree um, and she never gets picked because um, she's sort of ostracised from the town because of all the witchy rumours um, and uh, Nicole Kidman like strides into this classroom with all of these sort of suburban mums and she's like um, uh, lock up your husband <laughs> girls <laughs> you know the bitch is back kind of yeah thing. yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, that to me was like the scene that really <laughs> was like um, that really stood out to me. It's just like you know, it's just nice to see like a like these women kind of get some kind of like revenge, not revenge, but like kind of tease the townspeople, um, and just like you know, see Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock have some fun. Yeah, I, I agree with the scene with with him on the table and the, the licking and. <laughs> Um, Margarita scene, of course, is like the one of the best. Yeah. Like, I really love um, the ending too. Like, I thought that ending was really well, well, well done. Yeah, me too. I like that they le- lean into full yeah. with all the sort of stereotypes of being witches at the end. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so this movie was uh, directed by Griffin Dunn, which is very surprising yeah. to me. Who like. Very famous, like, kind of 80s, like, actor, like, you know, After Hours, I think, being, like, one of his more, more most famous movies, and, um, and, like... American Werewolf. Yeah, yeah, and, um, he didn't see, I guess he didn't really have a major directing career in the 90s, but, um, I, I saw that he directed this film called Addicted to Love, and I was very curious yeah. about it, so I was just looking through its, like, um, Wikipedia page, and have you seen that film? I think I probably did when it yeah. came out, but I can't remember very much about it. Yeah, so I'll be curious to uh, to watch it because it looked very insane. <laughs> um, and it's, I mean, it's kind of cool that you know, like he made this film, you know, and I know, you know, as somewhat, you know, usually when like actors become directors, they kind of take on like more like self serious kind of and more like quote unquote like masculine movies, but. Um, I guess he was um, interested in working in, with with these actors and yeah, taking on kind of this kind of kooky horror romantic mm-hmm. comedy fantasy film. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I I know I've talked about it already, but I just I think this movie is so incredibly unique. It's just this blend of tones and styles and genres that you would never ever get today. Because yeah. it is a really, really risky thing that they've pulled off. So it does have some quite horrific <laughs> um, sort of elements at times. Like, you know, Jimmy Angelov does abuse Nicole Kidman's character, Gillian. Mm-hmm. He, you know, they, they do accidentally kill him. <laughs> and there is um, this kind of possession haunting ghost, ghostly element as well. So there's all of that going on. Obviously, there's the sort of uh, romance and the the comedy. But like I was saying about the grief scene as well, there are are some sort of dramatic elements. And I just think it's not 
you know, it's just not a film that I think Hollywood would have a clue what to do with and how to sell mm-hmm. nowadays. Yeah. And and the fact that you have got these two Oscar winning actresses in it, it's just not something that would ever, ever happen today. And to me, it's like lightning in a bottle. It's just, you know, we have to appreciate it so much that it did happen. Um, and it's not something we'll ever see the likes of again. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree with you there. Um, and that's a kind of a good place to end. So um, mm-hmm. unless you have any other final thoughts on the film. But, Not yeah. really. You, you, let, you, you let me wax lyrical <laughs> on the uh, co- co- costumes and production design and the music. Yeah. So, so I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> well, Fiona, where can people find you online? Uh, Twitter mainly. So uh, my Twitter handle is just my name, which is Fiona Underhill. Um, I mainly work for a website called Jumper Online. I'm the reviews manager over there. Um, I also contribute regularly to Movie Dawn, who are a Philadelphia-based zine, but they do have a website as well. Um, and I have bylines at various other places as well. But they're my two main places, so Jumper Online and Movie Dawn. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter at TheManish89. And um, you can follow the podcast at ipodbu and um, go to talkfilmsociety.com to look at our other podcasts and read the articles over there. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast to help people find the show. Fiona, thank you so, so much for doing this with me. I had a great time, and I'm, I'm really uh, glad to have seen this film, and we'll love to revisit it again at Halloween time. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, it makes me so happy that you watched this movie, especially to do this. And I, re- I really encourage any listeners who obviously haven't seen it, um, I can't recommend it, I don't know. So please check it out. Yes, and listeners, uh, thanks for listening. Have a great, uh, have a great day.